Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hear the words of the Lord. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 20. Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at TCC. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to connect with you here today. We are continuing in our series, our series, First Timothy, Trustworthy Sayings. As you can imagine, we're moving through the book of 1 Timothy, which is one of the epistles. There is a letter. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a trainee of sorts of Paul's who is doing ministry in the city of Ephesus. Now, Pastor Shane kicked us off last week by looking at the importance of interpreting and living in culture through the lens of Scripture and not the other way around. Today, we're continuing in chapter 1, and our time will be oriented around this truth. Grace is offered to the worst of us, even me, and even you. Hear that again. Grace is offered to the worst of us, even me, and even you. When I was 14 years old, I was on Alvarado Street in Monterey, waiting to get into a public dance with some friends. The line was long, we got bored, and decided to go for a walk. As we're walking, a police car slowly pulls up with its lights flashing. No joke, my two friends bolt in opposite directions, literally sprinting away into the woods that we were next to. Some friends, right? I am so scared that I don't move a muscle. My eyes are like saucers, my heart feels like it belongs in a drum line. The police officer walks up to me and asks me my name. She asks if I've been drinking and if I knew what time it was. I think I answered 33.3% of those questions truthfully, and she followed up with, what are you doing here? Lying again, I blurted out, waiting for my parents. She gave me the, sure you are, look, and she said, well, you've broken curfew, and I'm going to have to take you into the station. Ba-bum, ba-bum. She opens the back door of her squad car and says, get in, young man. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat in the back of a police car, but you can tell that comfort was not the main priority when it was designed. The seat is a hard plastic, my knees are in my chest with a a sheet of metal and a metal grate separating me and the front seat of the car. She closes the door, no handle in sight, and my mind starts running. I'm going to get kicked out of school. I'm going to get kicked out of the house. I'm drenched in sweat. I'm totally afraid. Meanwhile, the police officer is just sort of standing there outside the car. 
Five minutes go by. Ten minutes. Twenty. What felt like about four days goes by and another police car slowly pulls up. And the officer gets out of his car and the two of them chat for a while, probably about how the 49ers season has been going. But I, of course, think that it's all about me and, and all the punishments that I'm in store for. And all of a sudden, the cop opens my door and says, go call your parents, and she lets me go. I sprint to the nearest Denny's, ask to use their phone to call my dad to pick me up. Now, in hindsight, there's probably a 97% chance that these officers were just trying to scare me straight, and man, oh man, did it work. But in the moment, I could not believe how fortunate I was. I had lied to the officer at least three times. I'd broken a couple laws. I deserved some kind of punishment, but I was let off. I couldn't believe it. Now, am I alone in, in this kind of experience? Maybe you've gone your life and you've made a lot of right decisions and you can't really relate to this sensation at all. Or maybe you made some pretty bad decisions in your younger days and now you're a grandparent who's about to celebrate your 30th wedding anniversary. Maybe you smoked a pack a day for 25 years and when the results came back about that spot on the CT scan of your chest, it was only a little fluid buildup and not something much, much worse. Maybe you lost yourself so completely, so completely with drinking and drugs and partying during college and into your 20s that you're in awe that your family still invites you to every holiday meal and the love of your life said, I do, on the altar. Or maybe you're sitting there right now and you've had a tough time figuring out if that all-consuming weight you're carrying around is guilt or shame. Maybe you're listening and you think that something in your past or even your present is so bad, so dark, causes you so much regret that not only do you think you are undeserving of love, but forgiveness seems so impossible that it's never even crossed your mind until right about now. Maybe worst sinner is an invisible badge you've been wearing for a while and you're beginning to wonder if it's permanent. Well, I'm here to tell you that no matter where you might find yourself, you're not alone. Not alone in your friend group, not in your family, not here at TCC, definitely not within the arc of the Bible, and especially not in relation to the life of the guy who wrote the letter that we're looking at today. The Apostle Paul, born as Saul, was from a devout and well-thought-of Jewish family. He was a Roman citizen. Uh, Philippians 3.5, he says that he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. Acts 23.6 tells us that he was a Pharisee born of Pharisees. We know that when he was young, he was sent to study the Jewish law. After his studies, Paul got into the Christian persecution business, and for Paul, business was booming. In the book of Galatians, we learn that Paul was bent on destroying the church. In fact, the very first mention of Paul, or Saul at that point, that we get in the Bible is in the book of Acts, right after Stephen, a follower of Jesus, has been stoned to death. After Stephen dies, we get this creepy verse, totally out of nowhere, and Saul approved of their killing him. This was a bad dude. 
It was legalistic, violent, and determined to bring the church to its knees. Forgiveness? Yeah, sure. Did you just hear about how bad this guy was and all the crazy stuff that he's been doing? It's hard to imagine that Jesus died for the guy who wanted to kill all his followers, right? Now, if you're new to church and checking out Christianity, you might be saying, hold on a minute, pastor. Isn't this the guy that a bunch of churches are named after? Didn't he write a bunch of the New Testament, including the stuff we're looking at today? Glad you asked. Here's what goes down in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 to 9, and then 17 to 19. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord... Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This, this is how Paul can write in 1 Timothy, our passage today, chapter 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. And Paul says in our passage that he is the worst among sinners, as he does a little later, he means it. He's not speaking in hyperbole, but he is speaking as a man who is astoundingly aware of his own experience of God's mercy and grace. By saving Paul, even Paul, a man who openly and flagrantly acted with violence in his persecution of the church, God is demonstrating that his patience has no limits. Verses 15 to 16 of our passage say, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. If God would and could do it for me, even me, Paul is saying, if he could change my story, then there must be hope for all. Then there must be confidence that your story can be changed as well. Grace is offered to the worst of us, even to me and even to you. No matter what you've done, no matter the guilt, the shame that you might be carrying, no matter how far you think you've drifted from God, if he can offer Paul the worst of sinners, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, he can offer it to you too. We're offered that grace, that forgiveness, freely because Jesus Christ paid the cost of our sin with his own 
life. Brennan Manning knew this grace personally. He was a former priest who lost his priesthood and battled with alcoholism throughout his life. Manning wrote in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, he said this, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Hear that one more time. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Not as a former priest, not as an alcoholic, Manning's deepest awareness of himself was that he was deeply loved by Jesus Christ and he had done nothing to earn it or deserve it. That is an awareness that will change your life. That is an awareness that will bring the worst of us to our knees. That is an awareness that only the gospel can provide. Everything else in this world will chew you up and spit you out, will force you to carry around the labels that have consumed you far longer than you'd like to admit. But the gospel promises grace to the worst of us, love unimaginable, and we have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. No matter what, Jesus died so that you might live in freedom. You are let off. That is a trustworthy saying. That is the heart of Christianity. And as we wrap up here today, I want to share a quick story. I was at a Tulare Association of Churches get-together recently, and Melissa Lewis, who works with Care Pregnancy Resource Center here in Tulare, shared a story about a young woman who, about a year ago, found herself in the waiting room of an abortion clinic. While sitting there, this woman had a change of heart, unable to carry through with the procedure. She's now the proud mother of that child, and the Care Pregnancy Center has walked with her every step of the way. And recently, this young mom reflected with Melissa and said, I can't believe where my life was a year ago and how God has worked in it since. I grew up in church my whole life, but I was never told that God loved me and that Christ died for me. I know that now, and everything has changed. No matter your story, I will not allow you to leave this church today without knowing that God loves you and that Christ died for you. That is a trustworthy saying. See, grace is offered to the worst of us, even to me, and even to you. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.